Hey, dear listener, Anthony here. Before we hop into the show, I wanted to let you know about an incredible new resource we just released, The Five Rules of Investing. Dan and I are huge advocates of modeling the behaviors of the people who have done what you hope to do. And who better to model when it comes to investing than legendary investors like Warren Buffett, Howard Marks, and Ray Dalio? This free ebook breaks down the simple time-tested strategies of billionaire real estate investors that you can use to take your investing to the next level. So head over to InvictusMultifamily.com and grab your ebook today. All right, now let's hop into the show. Hello and welcome to Multifamily Investing Made Simple. This is the podcast where we take the complexity out of real estate investing so that you can take action today. I'm your host, Anthony Vecino of Invictus Capital, joined as always by Dan. I pushed the record button, Kruger. I did it. First time it failed, but the second time you got it, it started recording. It's like watching watching a child learn how to walk, kind of toddling. He's pushing the button. He's it like, how's the, but- how's the button work? I kind of falling at it. Um, but he got it figured out. Yeah. Not bad for a 35-year-old. Yeah. 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 Hey guys and gals, um, listening to this at home, I, I don't want you guys to take for granted just how difficult podcasting is. There's a lot of moving parts here. We got these microphones we got to turn on. We got recording buttons we got to push. So hopefully you guys appreciate the the hard, heavy work that we're doing here. Yeah, I mean we're not. I like to say we're good at it, but I, I think there. that's a stretch. We're getting there. We're, we're trying. We're, we're trying. Sure. We're like 170 episodes in at this point, and I think we're improving. I think we're trending in the right direction. I don't know if we're good yet, but we're not as bad as we once were. Let's just say we haven't hit our peak. Anyways, okay, let's talk about real estate investing because this is an under 10-minute episode, and we've already blown one minute and 15 seconds. Yes, yes, we do. For those of you listening at home, I do have a stopwatch going. Now, Dan, what are we talking about today? We're talking about single-family versus multifamily investing. Uh, this is going to be... This is going to be lopsided. Whenever we do these episodes of like single family versus multifamily, we usually come in because we're multifamily guys and we poo poo and we're like, single family sucks. Ha ha. Get out of here. I will take the single family side. Well, I I will be an advocate. I don't want to poo poo. Okay. Okay. Sure you do. Okay. Let's do this. Let's do this. Let's, let's actually try to be kind of unbiased and like look at it fairly and Mm -hmm. say like, there are actually really good reasons to invest in single family versus multifamily. So, uh, what, what are they? Single family? You yeah. Want to, you want to yeah, sell yeah. it? What are, like, sell me on single family. Give me give me the, the goods. Big one. The big one is the barrier to entry is low. Yeah. I mean, if I want to buy an apartment building, what do I need? A couple of million bucks? I don't know. Minimum. But I can pick up a house right now for, you know, 100 grand, maybe put 20% down. Pick it um, up? Yeah. I'm like, yes, yes. I'm very strong. <laughs> I know you are. But, <laughs> but no, you can, you can get into single family um, a heck of a lot easier, at least mm-hmm. on the surface, it appears that way 100%. than multifamily. So, hundred percent. the the first The first property I, I acquired was a triplex off of an FHA loan. Do you remember how much I put into that? I think seven grand. Seven grand. Seven yeah. seven thousand five hundred. That's like I'm not saying that's not no, that's nothing because there are some people out there who are like I don't I don't even have that much yet. But that's a much easier hurdle to get over than trying to acquire. What was our last deal? We needed two million. 1.5, something like that. Like, or last one. Yeah. 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 Somewhere in there. A, a mag, orders of magnitude more. So if you're, if you're at the beginning stages of your career and you're trying to get into investing in real estate, yes, we love multifamily, but we also recognize it's, it, it is harder to get into. It requires more cash. 
And I don't think it's quite as intuitive. If I'm a first time mm. investor, chances are I'm familiar with a house and the components in a house. And maybe I haven't bought one yet, but I can kind of wrap my head around what it is I'm buying. First time investor in an apartment building. I mean, there's stuff in there you've never really had to think about, like big flat roofs, uh, boilers, and, you know. All maybe these, an elevator? An elevator, <laughs> a pool, all these different things that like you've probably never had to deal with unless you've been investing in multifamily properties. Single family, I feel like it might be a little bit easier uh, learning curve than. 100%. I would say single families are, and when I say single families, I'm talking about duplexes, tries, and quads, anything under five units. And that's yeah. largely because that's how the banks look at it and how they lend on these things, which is a big part of these, which is actually uh, single families are operationally a whole lot easier, I think, than large multifamily. Now, when you have a large multifamily, say you have 100 units, that's a good thing in the sense that you have the stability because if anybody moves out, you're still very, very occupied. So they're doing very well, but you also have 100 people that you have to deal with, right? And on a single family home, uh, it's a little bit simpler. And, and the reason I think it's simpler is because the way that the property is valued is largely outside your control, right? So regardless of how well you're really running your single family home, it's going to be based off of comparables. That's what it's going to be valued on. So if Jim across the street sold his property at a profit, like at a big number, great. Then your property is going to sell close to that. If somebody else, you know, they got laid off because of COVID and they had to sell their house at a big discount, then your value of your property probably just dropped. None of it has anything to do with how well you operated the asset, which is fundamentally different than multifamily. If you suck as an operator in multifamily, it doesn't matter you get a little bit of, of buoying because of the market, of course, but largely if you suck at it, like it's going to cost you dearly on the cash flow side. And when you go to exit. Yeah. And something else to consider too, is the, how these things scale, because you kind of made a comment a second ago about a hundred unit building that kind of reminded me of a podcast episode we did a while ago where we talked about a uh, hundred, a uh, hundred, single family portfolio, uh, yeah, hundred yeah. single family houses in one portfolio and like what that would look like. So, do you, um, do you remember the anxiety I had when I realized like you have to track a hundred different taxes and insurance payments? Ugh. I was like, Oh my God, that sounds so I scary. hundred water bills, hundred <laughs> yeah. bills. Um, but that's something to consider as well is yes, there's more units to manage in a multifamily property, but as you get into larger units, whether it's single family or multifamily, generally speaking the, and I know I'm supposed to be defending single family here, but I'm, I'm going to deep. I think, for a I think it's not even like a contest. We're just trying to be equanimity. Yeah. Equal. So managing a hundred apartments versus a hundred houses, uh, is going to be a lot different logistically. Yeah. It's going to be a big difference there. You've got a hundred different structures. You've got a hundred different residents spread out. Uh, even if they're pretty closely t- uh, correlated together, you just have a bunch of different properties to worry about. Whereas in multifamily, a lot of them are consolidated into larger structures. So you might have mm-hmm. 100 units across two or three buildings instead of 100. That's always been like the big issue with single family or small properties for me is that they, they just don't scale. They hit this glass ceiling and they're great when you're starting out. And so if you're listening to this and you're at the beginning of your career and you're thinking, like, how do I get into this? I want to get into these big apartments, but it is such a big barrier. You know, maybe you have to start smaller and that's not necessarily a bad thing. Just recognize that it only scales so far before it becomes very problematic. And I, I think for a lot of people, that's around 10 properties. And the reason for that is because of how the bank lends on these things. It's a lot, it's largely based off of your debt to income ratio. And uh, at about 10 properties, they stop lending on these things because they're like, your debt to income doesn't make sense anymore. As you scale into multifamily, that no longer really becomes part of the equation. And so you can scale a lot easier. The, the mistake I think people make is when they get into single family thinking that's going to be the thing that they, they scale. And it's like, good luck with that. You've just chosen the hardest of all paths. 
Yeah, no, it's easy to get stuck in in a in a flow with something. This is something I've been thinking a lot about lately. Is you know, trying not to become so much of a fanboy of of multifamily properties that we kind of miss additional Other opportunities. opportunities. Yeah. Um, so that could be a slippery slope. Not the topic we're talking about today, but one other thing I wanted to bring up. And this is kind of related to the barriers of entry thing is that it's a heck of a lot easier to find a single family house because you can go on any mm, website and you can find out where they're listed, but largely multifamily properties are going to be listed differently. They're not going to be on the MLS. You're not just going to be able to Google these things. You've either got to know a broker or have access to a different system called CoStar, which is kind of like the MLS for larger multifamily properties. But even then, I mean, it's not a guarantee that anyone's going to entertain the fact that you want to look at it. Um, if you're a brand new person, you call a broker, you have no experience, you have no track record, you may or may not have money, they might not even Take invite you out for a yeah. tour. So um, there's definitely a lot in the whole barrier to entry side, I think. That's a really good one, in, especially in this market where it is very competitive, very aggressive. And I think a lot of people look at it and like, so far, so hard to find a deal. Like, yeah, it's it, you could say that on the single family side. Sure, things are getting bit up, but it is still so much easier to find a deal there than it is to find a larger deal. And it's just because there's so much more supply, so many more sellers. And a lot of them are, um, you know, owner occupants who live in there and they're not looking at it from an investment perspective or they're just mom and pop owners. And so you can find, you know, more arbitrage opportunities for a good deal. As you get into larger multifamily, there are still mom and pop owners, but they know a bit more than your, your average goose. Yeah. You're not really going to be able to steal something from a astute operator. Um, like Anthony said, usually on the smaller scale, if you find somebody who doesn't really know what they have, or maybe they're just not investors, they just have a thing and they want to get rid of it, that's usually a good opportunity to get something at a, at a good discount. But um, I would say that the uh, the single family space is, is one that I think it's it's a lot less black and white, a lot less quantitative. And that's really the main thing that got me turned off of single family and turned on to multifamily was the valuation piece. And that is having the value tied to how well you're running the property and not just to the market value. I think that was the big thing that tilted the scale for me. That's why Mm -hmm. the first thing I got was a six unit because it's specifically just inside the parameters for what would qualify as a commercial property, which would get that valuation uh, uh, methodology used anything under that. I just didn't feel confident that no matter how well I do, I still have to just deal with the fact that the market might not be on the same timeline as me. So, all right, folks. So that's going to do it for us. Hopefully you found this interesting. We did not bash on single families this time. We're trying to take a little bit more of a fair approach and recognize that it's different strokes for different folks, depending on where you are in your life. So hopefully this brought you a little bit of value. If it did, then do us a favor because you owe us and you're still listening to this and that makes you really awesome. Uh, Share this with a friend or a family member, somebody that you think would get some value out of it. Go drop a review over on iTunes and we'll see you in the next episode. Hey, thanks for joining us for another episode of Multifamily Investing Made Simple. If you enjoyed the show, could you do us a massive favor? Head over to iTunes and leave a five-star rating and review. Your feedback, it means the world to us as it helps us grow and spread the word about multifamily investing. And don't forget, sharing is caring. So fire this episode over to any friends or family who you think could benefit from learning all about multifamily investing. Thanks, guys. We appreciate every single one of you, and we'll see you on the next show.